don't even know where to start this. I think it first starts at getting to Haneda and going home. That's an airport in Japan. Yes, yes, yes. Haneda Airport. And it not being anything like it was the first time. I I don't know why, but we got there early because we had to. Okay, no, this is this this is unavoidably long. Um, That's what she said. (laughs) We we found found out that we could reserve bus tickets from the town that we were at in Kofu, right, to Haneda. But I didn't know that because when you go from the airport there, you can't. You just have to go the day of and buy your ticket then. So I figured it was the same reverse. Not true. You can you can get tickets in advance to go the other direction, just not the one direction. Very Japanese, whatever. So I find that out, but then they say, oh, but that bus that you want is already full up now. Okay, so we have to leave it. I think it was literally like 530 in the morning is when the bus left. So um, we do that. Then we get on that bus totally empty. There's like not a single person there. Everybody was just like, that one's too early. Nope. Not going to do that. Those the white people bus. <laughs> so um, so we get we get there early and then. Wait, I haven't shared any of this, have I? Have have I said about like the mess that was global entry and me getting not on the podcast? You haven't really. Oh, jeez, this is a monster. Cody, so Cody is apparently associated with a terrorist organization and is on some kind of no fly list. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, this just got even longer. Um, I don't <laughs> even know where to go. I can just keep everybody a full life story of everything. Uh, we get there early. And I can't mobile check in. It's just not working. It's not allowing me to. Okay, don't know what's going on. I'll go check in at the kiosk. Go to check in at the kiosk. Nope, can't do it. It's not going to let me. Don't know what's going on. I have to talk to somebody at Delta. Nobody from Delta is there. Apparently yeah, it's 530. Well, in Colombia, Delta didn't show up until like 11 a.m. And we got to the airport at like 10. So we just had to sit in line for an hour. Yep. So that's basically what happened right and oh so yeah i don't know where information is i don't know where anything is it's much more confusing this time around i don't know why but i'm i'm looking for that to talk to somebody and that sort of thing happened to coincidentally find and this is just because i want some karma to to make this story seem better but no it just goes to show that i was i found 170 dollars on the ground it was yeah not usd and it's japan right so i two coins (laughs) <laughs> it, it's japan so i think oh i'll turn it in because i'm a nice guy so i do that and then they're all just looking at me like why would you do that i think that's weird in every country i'm like it's japan and <laughs> i'm also from iowa and that's just what good people do is if it's not your thing you go and give it to the person anyway so i did that thinking you know that's the right thing well nothing's the right thing to do that day because Delta's not coming. You're screwed until they show up. Go do something with your life. So I fall asleep for a while, you know, just lay down, put the bags down, pass out. I don't remember what Jenny's doing. She's probably watching my sleeping body or something to make sure I don't get mugged in Japan. Um, Finally get to talk to a person. They can't figure it out either. Right. Um, But they were able to uh get me my boarding pass at least and then i get the 
Um, what I later learned is the dreaded SSSS on my ticket, which means guess who's about to get searched when you check your <laughs> ticket. So <laughs> we get to the point where I check my ticket and it goes, blah, you know, makes the sound. And then they say, please come with me. And, you know, the nice Japanese lady's like, hey, um, I'm going to need you to take out all your real, your electronics. And I tell her, you really don't want me to do that. Right. She's like, why? And I said, I in Japan, if you do anything related to what we do, it's an IT company. Right. So I say, I run an IT company. She goes, oh, it's OK. I'm like, it's really not. It's really not going to be OK. <laughs> so. She said, well, here's the table. I'm like, your table's too small, but okay, we'll get started. I get done with my backpack. Everything from my backpack. The table's full. There's no room for my duffel bag to start going through that. And she just gives up on me at this point because she realizes that I'm going to take way too long to actually go through all of my electronics. And, you know, but they do the, all the other stuff too. They swap me for drugs. They do the full pat down. I feel uncomfortable in certain areas of my body because that's what they do when they're serious about it. And anyway... Get all done, get on the plane, whatever. It's over, I think. Fine. You know, good. Glad that's over with. We get to Minneapolis. Start going through uh, for some reason, because if you if you um if you're international or something, you still have to go through you can't you have to pick up your bags because of the if it's not long enough, you have to take your bags with you again. I mean if it's not quick enough. I think their layover was too long. So mm -hmm. that they didn't take our bags. We if had to it's, take our if bags it's internet, well, if it's international, you always have to grab your bags and recheck them. Uh, okay, so that's what it was. So then we had to go through security again. So I still have I don't have my second ticket because they wouldn't give it to me. Right, I go to get my second ticket, and guess who still doesn't have global entry? Still doesn't have TSA. TSA who's going to get is all it, this stuff again? So is it you? Yeah, 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 it's me. So I go through again, and this, I'm over it. At the, I'm so over it at this point. And they say, you know, if your laptop's in its own compartment that you don't have to take it out and stuff, I do nothing because I'm I'm just like, I do not have words to art articulate how frustrated and annoying this is. So we go through, I get flagged down. My, my bag gets pulled to the side. Guy asks me, do you have stuff? I'm like, what, what do you want to know, man? Like, I've signed up so that I don't have to do this sort of thing because you don't want to spend the time it's going to take to go through all of my stuff. That's why I did this. Like, but yes, I have a laptop. Here's the laptop. Take it out. So takes it out, runs the bag through again. The bag gets pulled aside again, second time, because there's something in there that they don't like. He says, do you have, uh, do you have nail clippers? Like, yes, I have small, you know, travel, say foldable nail clippers. He's like, can you tell me where they are? Blah, blah, blah. So I tell him where they are. And then he, he gives up on me too. Because he gets to the point where he's like, this is taking too much time. I'm not going to keep doing this. He, he even tells me, he said, just pack up your stuff and go. Like, come here, grab it, get it out of my way. I don't have time for you and all this stuff. So at this point, I'm now Googling what other people are doing. Like, I'm on a list. I'm I'm something. Something is going on. I don't know. It's because we went to Columbia. I don't you know, said you, I have the wrong name. You said this happened to you when you came back from Columbia too, right? Yeah. This has just been my life now. And yeah. it's like so, being picked for jury duty like three times in a row. <laughs> You're just like, what? So so uh people are saying on Reddit, because I'm looking on Reddit, like, hey, if this if this is you and this is happening to you, what you need to do is get a redress number. 
And that's you talk to Homeland Security, they do a thorough investigation. It's going to take you probably months. Uh, and, you know, you got to do a, like a serious case and all this stuff. And I don't know. I'm on my phone. I do it all in the airport in like 15 minutes. I sign up. I fill up the form. I say, I don't know what's going on. This keeps happening to me. What is going on? And then I ship it. And four days later, I, I was, I guess I was lucky or something. I don't know what was going on, but I get something back and I do get a number. They don't always give you a number. Apparently, sometimes they just say, well, tough. You know, it's still going to keep happening to you. Can but you explain what a redress number is? It says you are not who you might be when you normally say who you are on the... Cody, all I'm going to say is I have a theory, and I think that theory has to deal with some of the shady SEO stuff you did in the past. <laughs> and somehow that's connected to a no-fly list. It could be. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. It wouldn't surprise me. Lauren and I have been cooking up all these theories. Uh, <laughs> I like, like, we know what you did with buying links. I was like, look, I don't know exactly what shady SEO stuff did uh, Cody did in the past, but I know it was shady. And <laughs> that's all he said. And like, you know, buying links. Yeah, sure. That's not exactly black hat SEO, but I feel like there was some black hat involved at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're buying on, um, there's a difference between buying a link and then just like, I'm on Fiverr. Give me 500 links. All right. That's a, that's a different. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so now I have two safe traveler numbers. So whenever I go to travel, I will no longer get taken aside for a quote, randomized thing, unless it is quite truly randomized. Like I, I am actually the random person. <laughs> and if that happens, you're like, there's no way I'm random. <laughs> I, I don't even know what a redress number, like I've never even seen a safe traveler number before. How would I even know what mine is? So they give you, I don't. Global entry, they give you one. Oh, it's a global entry thing. But it's separate. The redress is separate. You only get that directly from, I think it's DHS. And oh. I didn't get a card or anything. I, I wrote one. The second they gave it to me, I took out a, a index card, like a study one. Right. And I wrote down, this is my thing. This is who said it. This is the date that they said it. And then I wrapped it in tape and I put it right next to my uh, global entry card. So that from now on, if... You know, I'm in those situations and stuff. I'm ready to look out both <clears throat> and tell them, hey, look, this says I'm safe. This says I'm extra safe. I don't know what else you want from me. Let me on the plane and leave me alone. <laughs> but, but that, that was not the original intent of the story. The, what I meant to say was <clears throat> the day after uh, we got back, I died and got sick. And I was down for like a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And then. I thought it was good, you know, because you think, too, once you're sick and then you improve that you're you're probably better than you were before because your body's now built up like fighter cells and all the things that they say. And then so we go to I think that is the technical terminology. Is it really? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're fighter T's, right? Isn't that um, fighter T cells? T Isn't that a thing? Uh, white blood cells? I, I don't know. Let's Google it in real time. This is becoming too long. This is what happens for bad reviews. Fighter T cells. I know that's a thing. Maybe yeah, just T cells. T cells. T cells and B cells. They produce antibody molecules. Yeah. So mm -hmm. theoretically, you're doing better. But um, anyway, we go to we go to Family Olympics where we normally do 
yearly family Olympics with Jenny's family and we compete in games and sports and it's always a good time. Except this year, one of the little kids was sick and then uh, we got sick and it was not a good time at all. It was awful. I don't throw up often and I was throwing up actually. And then I sent Jake a picture, a very uh, graphic stick drawing of what it was like for me in the the hotel, which was me bent over while sitting on the toilet with my head towards the bathtub so that I can just both ways, just whatever is <laughs> flying out in either direction, uh, <laughs> allow it to happen. And it was and awful. Yesterday was the first day that you were, you were back in action. Yep. Basically. So yeah, that's not like a bad time. Yeah. Well, well, and, and then you make you realize like, man, how if I was at a job, like a job job, how would this go? <laughs> They'd be like, there's no way you're you're sick again. <laughs> yeah. Like, While well, I'm throwing up, typing at the same time. Like, I'm still working. It's I've, fine. I've heard that if if you ever need to say to your boss that you're sick, you just say, I have explosive diarrhea, and then the conversation ends. And they just yeah. accept it. I mean, if someone told me that, I'd say, sure, yeah, <laughs> whatever you need to do. I don't want to know. It'll just say red. <laughs> uh, I don't well, think any of that was the intention. That, that was never the intention. No, none of that was the intentional cold open. So we'll just say we'll just say what we had planned for another one, so we don't go too long like we just did. Um, but uh, we thought of a good episode that we feel like a lot of our listeners would wouldn't mind kind of hearing this story about on a more personal level. And it requires me to be a little bit more vulnerable with how much I've made over the last three years. Um, but there's like this coveted six figure, $10,000 a month number that people try to get as a solo freelancer or executing like freelancers for them. And um, as you could tell from the title of the podcast episode, it's, it's, basically my story from being broke to 200, you know, making $200,000 in a year within like three to four years. The, the title says three years, but it's like I don't know, three and a half depending on who you ask. But I figured it'd be good if we just kind of do like more of an interview format where Cody gets to ask me the question and pretend like he's the, he's the listener. And then I'll just, I'll answer as candidly as I can without being too specific about things just so yeah. everybody listening can get an idea of what it looks like to get to that point and how long it takes, you know, and additionally what kind of work goes into it, both working on your actual business and then also working in your professional life too. If, if you, you know, did the slow route like we did and didn't leave our day jobs and, and did both things in, in tandem. <clears throat> yeah. I think uh, something that Jenny's dad said to me once that I really liked was, when I graduated college, he said, Hey, how does it, how does it feel to know that you are the brokest that you will ever be right now? <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. The, the logic being that, you know, it's only up from here. If you're assuming that you're going to work hard and do well, that, um, this, this mountain of debt that you have will only improve from this direction. And I think, um, you know, you hear something like that and you think, yeah, but this is going to take years, but three years. That's good. That's amazing. Like That's great. Right. It's, it's also it's also that goes to the Earl Nightingale quote. That's the time will pass anyways. 
So mm-hmm. if it's going to take three years, you might as well work for it now because three years from now, you'll be thinking yourself. Yeah. So, okay. Give people ground zero at, at your, well, not about the worst. Is it safe to assume that you I were would, in the worst spot when you started uh, yeah. freelancing? Yeah. Yeah. I was in a pretty bad spot. Well, and it's probably not as bad as a lot of people. Like I'm not like a Ty Lopez that says I had $17 in my bank account or my, you know, cash in my back pocket sleeping on my friend's couch. It's not like that. I, I had, I moved, just moved to Kansas city and I was making $40,000 a year, which is roughly 20 bucks an hour. What year was this? 2017. Okay. And it sounds like a, I guess if you're 20, 21, like that's not bad. Uh, this is all 2017. So adjust for inflation when, whenever, wherever you're listening to this, this is in Kansas city as, as well. So if you're in LA, 40,000 obviously is nothing, but you know, if you're in Rhinebeck, Iowa, 40,000 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I was making 40,000 there. And I, I just came from the agency, which has, making less there, maybe about the same. But having said that, I was actually at a negative income because I had debt, one, my car. I had a bunch of credit card debt that I racked up from being 18 to, to 21, 20, 20, 22 at the time. And and I'm talking like maybe 8,000 in credit card debt, which isn't a lot for a lot of Americans, which is sad. But for someone who's that young and only making that much, on a single income, it's not, it's quite a bit of money. (laughs) And just doing like a cost analysis, I was down to like a hundred, $200 a month on what I had left after no insurance, car payments, rent, everything like uh, gas and utilities. And that hundred, $200 a month didn't even technically cover groceries or gas or any other like extracurricular activities. So in my mind, that's a negative income. So my 40, and, and also keep in mind, this is 40,000 US dollars. So if you're in a less fortunate country listening to this, that might sound like a lot more, but in the US in a lot of places on a single income, 40K is, can be broke. But I had started Evergrow because... And, and I, it wasn't even Evergrow at the time. It was just claiming and optimizing Google business profiles for like 200 bucks a piece just to help knock that debt down so I wasn't negative anymore. Wait, so, okay, I'm going to, I'm Dave Ramsey for a minute here. Let me get more financial deets just God. so I understand. The, with debt, you said credit cards, you said a car loan. So some people, car loan is, is debatable on whether that's good or bad debt kind of depends on your rate depends on the kind of car that you bought credit card debt is decidedly bad right um but did you also did you have other things like student loans was what was your grand total of bad debt i did have student loans i still do have student loans i was waiting for daddy joe biden to pay them off but he never (laughs) did so uh yeah i i didn't have a lot of student loans i had about twenty thousand in student loan well i guess to some people that might be a lot but i had twenty. Yeah, I had 20,000 student loans. It's down to 8,000 now. I just haven't paid on them in like 3 years because of the the debt hold. And so it, it, altogether, I think my car payment was 260 bucks a month. I was just thinking about this today because I I just took my car to the shop to change the headlights on and normally I can change my own headlights, but with the Cadillac you got to take the front bumper off. But 
it's the same car I had back then. It's the same 2010 Cadillac that I bought in 2015. So in 2017, I've had it for two years and it's paid off now, but my car payment was 260 bucks a month. It was a seven year loan. <laughs> so do the math on how much I actually paid for it. And that car insurance at the time, I think was probably about 170 or 180. Now it's a lot less because I'm 30 <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. the student loans, I think were about 150 bucks a month. I mean, the student loan term is a lot longer than a car term anyways, also. So the payments are lower. But you just look at that right there. That's like over $500 so in, in debt. And that's not my, even credit cards. My yeah. unofficial financial perspective is that you're probably one-to-one. You probably had as much debt as you had coming in. Like your, your debt to income ratio oh, 100%. is... 100%. Right. I mean, if you're 40 and you're 40, then that's about... Right. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay, okay, okay. Mm. So... But that was still, tell me if I'm wrong, was the, I'm, I'm assuming that the move was advantageous for you going from the agency to this new job. Were you making more money than you were previously? Yeah, I was. And I think the big, so the agency, I was, um, this was a while ago and I was an entry level at the agency. So I, I'm sure they pay a lot better now, but I was making about 30 K at the agency and 10 K in commission when I kind of took an agency account executive role. And earning some commission on my clients. So it went from 40, 40K at, you know, when all said and done at, at MUD. And then when I went to the, the the small company, it wasn't an agency in Kansas City, I actually made 4250 So it was 2500 or yeah, $2,500 more, 42500 And But the biggest benefit of it too was I actually, I also got a company car. So they also paid for my gas and things like that. So it really helped out because I didn't have to drive my Cadillac really at all. And as provided a company computer. So going from basically mud from having none of that and just basically 40K to having 40K and a car I can drive and a company computer that I can uh, probably illegally start my side business on. Um <laughs> What, it was a benefit, even if it wasn't like monetary. Uh, monetary. So, okay, you got your new job. This is this is ground zero as far as the episode is concerned. That's where you're starting at, you know, and that's when you also started your side business. Um, from then forward, at what point or how long did it take for you to start feeling financially better? When did you start feeling relief that? things were really starting to improve for you and that you didn't feel a crunch when you were looking at your bank account or doing your monthly finances. Uh, when, when did we partner? <laughs> uh, 2019. Uh, well, before, I mean like when we started making money as partners, cause we started talking, but then we didn't legally put the business together with, you know, yeah, it, I mean, it was 2019 when I didn't feel that crunch anymore. So like two years later, I, I think in 20, in 20, probably 18. So here's the deal though, is I always felt that crunch from 2017 to 2019, but the, the kind of one off jobs that I had that I did to build on portfolio, you know, 500 bucks for a website, 750 bucks for a website here and there. And then like one or two months of having a client on SEO during that time. And I say it all the time. And you know, in 2018, I, I got a client for two months. They paid $500 per month and then they left. Well, that $1,000 went along. I was able to stretch that a long ways. 
And then, you know, there were a couple of website builds that I could do to build my portfolio. But I also took like a freelance writing job for a company called Marketing Solved. Um, so shout out to... Um, uh, oh, no. Oh, no. This is embarrassing. Why can't I remember her name? Cat <laughs> uh, <Kat> Sullivan. <laughs> shout out to Cat Sullivan at Marketing Solved. She's, she's got a, uh, an alias, uh, like the Pinterest, the queen of Pinterest marketing or something. But she's got a, a new software called Tassi. T-A-S-S-I. It's a social media scheduling software. And uh, before she had that, she, they just had marketingsolve.com. And I wrote a lot of articles for that. And I, I, they paid me a few hundred bucks a month to do it. And before, when we were looking at my finances and I only had 100 to $200 left a month after all my bills, keep in mind from 2017 to 2018, like I was still paying those credit card bills down and the, that debt down. So some credit cards, they get paid off. I got some more money back. Not a lot. But then those one-off jobs plus that monthly content marketing gig from uh, Marketing Solved really really added to my disposable income. And I didn't feel... I still felt a crunch from from a bill standpoint, but I felt like I was more free to to go out. Well, I didn't have any friends, so I didn't go out a lot. But uh, well, I, mean, I was in Kansas City and I didn't know anybody. So I, I felt more free to go and you know, go to church or go out with church friends, I guess. And, you know, go to Applebee's or go to the liquor store across the street and drink myself away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. You, as your partner, I I remember some turning points that I I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be big. And actually one of those surprisingly was probably not um, big moves in the business necessarily, but it was actually the shift of your day job to a new day job. Yes. When 20, was that? That was 2021. So I actually interviewed with another company. I, I was thinking about leaving this, my, my day job for a while just because it wasn't cutting. I wasn't happy. It was inside sales, it, inside sales slash marketing is a very small company, very old school. So I, because I had marketing experience, I dubbed myself the director of marketing which is a very smart move if you're if you're at a small company like that because I don't think if I had that title I wouldn't have been recognized at the current company that I'm at and I may I, I saw I was just applying multiple jobs a day and really I think the biggest thing too is like I did my resume and everything in Canva so I even like color matched the resume font and just kind of borders and everything to the company I was applying to. And then I made a very unique cover letter and that was a big, that was a big thing. I think that got noticed, but it was in 20, like March of 2020 that I, they they actually interviewed me and that was a big deal. I don't know how much really they were paying. So I, they're like, we want to hire you, but we can't right now. Like we got to wait till we, you know, grow a little bit more and have a a better position for you. Then nothing ever happened. I just kept following up with the CEO and and nothing happened. And like in October, November, the, one of the, the main investors of the company reached out to, or connected with me on LinkedIn. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, good to hear from you. And he just basically, you know, did it, they exchanged the pleasantries and said, like, you know, what are you up to? I'm like, ah, I'm still working on my job, uh, also doing some agency stuff with my agency on the side. 
and you know, we're, you know, you and I are a year and a half into this and we've experienced a pretty decent growth. We quite haven't quite hit that spring of 2021 that we talk about a lot, but mm-hmm. he goes, Oh, well I might have another, another client for you. And I was like, Oh sweet. Yeah. Send him over or whatever. He was, an, he was the main investor of the company and I applied for. So he had other companies too. And basically what he had me to do was pr- put a marketing proposal together for one of his other companies. So I did. And to this day, I still think it was a ploy to get me to do like basically test myself for the job I had originally applied for. Uh, so he goes, hey, great proposal. Thanks. I actually want to interview you for the other job again. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so anyways, nine months later, they actually did extend the job offering to me and i put in my i think two months notice to my current employer because it's a small company they're pretty bootstrapped and i just want to make sure they were set up before i left but i always make the joke they i interviewed in march and they carried me to term nine months later (laughs) (laughs) and finally birthed me onto their team and that that doubled my my day job income yeah that's what i want to get at so that was big financially right is actually, and what do you think, what do you think helped that? Because I think a lot of people want to think that, and I'm not going to discount, I'm not going to say that it's not true, that entrepreneurship is the way to financial wealth, financial freedom, that sort of thing. But it was my experience too, that you know, while you pursue one, you you can become an all-star all around. And mm-hmm. on the side, while you're doing well and making money and growing a business, it actually helps you at work in a career too. So what's your take on that? And how do you feel? Do you think that the stuff on the site, did it give you confidence? Did it give you, what did it, how did it help you or what did it benefit you at a day job? Yeah, it, it gave me a, well, it did give me a lot more confidence because one, I'm the sales guy. So I've, I've got to sell to clients all the time at Evergrow. And when you know the position that they're hiring for is basically a client partner manager. At the time it was called a campaign manager. But I basically had to manage campaigns and also communicate with clients, success and direction and things like that. I'm like, well, I already do this. I remember telling you about this. I'm like, it's basically like they're they're paying me to do what I already do at Evergrow. And that was just a big confidence booster. But the other confidence booster too was I didn't need it. I didn't need a job, a new job. I wanted one because I had my old job and Evergrow. And Evergrow was heading in a very positive trajectory. So I wasn't worried either way. And I remember considered leaving my old job and just having Evergrow, you know, jumping because you were getting close to jumping too. But I didn't want to be in that financial bind that I was in again. So I I had also uh, just started dating Lauren at the time too. And so I didn't want to be in this position where I was like this broke boyfriend that had nothing and was an entrepreneur in marketing <laughs> <laughs> as you were on a previous episode in Japan. But, uh, I wanted to make sure that I could still provide for myself and, you know, be a, a good boyfriend and, and do things with her. And it, yeah, it definitely did give me a lot more confidence. I'll say that to, to be able to do that. The other thing too, is just, I had a lot of, ex- I, I learned a lot of things doing my own thing at Evergrow because I was so confined to what I was capable of doing at my old job because I worked at a company in the manufacturing business and did their marketing. I didn't do marketing for other people. So 
my budget and everything was limited to why what the company was allowing me to do. And they prioritized inside, inside sales. So I didn't have a lot of time to do any actual marketing. And Evergrow was that kind of outlet. So when I applied to this other job and we had these interviews, I was able to speak more confidently about program execution and didn't have to rely on things that I did at MUD like five years ago. So, yeah, that was the biggest That was the biggest thing. Did I answer your question there? <clears throat> you did. I'm, I'm looking at our notes that we put together and I'm just trying to put the get the years right so people can understand what this looks like because we've thrown a few years out with different times. Yeah. And I so, think it's important to maybe make clear that like up until 2021, even we weren't really making money. Uh, yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the broke to $200,000 thing, it, it kind of starts at 2021 because in January of 2021, I was making 4250 or $42,500 at my old job. And that's that's when it starts. So between then and now in 2023 is now where I'm hitting $200,000. And so so there that's that's setting the real timeline. I think I think the 2017 to 2021 was just kind of setting up the the why I started to it's kind of like the um, it's like an exponential increase, right? Like now we're 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 you know 2017 to 2023 <laughs> Or 2017 and 2021, that was like the the flat line at the bottom of the x-axis or the bottom of the y-axis. And 2021, that's like right at the start of the curve to to start going up. So, yeah. yeah. So we've talked about it before that 2021 was a big year for us. And then from then, you know, business-wise for us, it's only gotten better. Um, as far as your you know, day job from from that position where you got offered at the new company have, have things improved at a noteworthy point to mention here like have you made a lot since that initial double or has it all from that point been mostly evergrow that's been the main driver to get up to this 200k ish yeah so at the end of 2021 i may i think i was sitting right about 80k so obviously, yeah, my my salary actually doubled from the new day job. But remember, I started in you know basically February, so I already was already a month behind. And then Evergrow hadn't really made any money in in twenty 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 twenty, and then twenty twenty one was like the first year that we actually posted a decent amount of profit. Um, I think. I can't remember what we each of us closed at, but it was basically what we were making at what I was making at mud a little bit less than that as a base. So combined, I think I was right at 80 K because, uh, I just remember not hitting the, the six figure mark quite yet. Mm. Okay. Um, this is maybe jumping a little bit, but I think it's worth asking because, it's not, it's maybe it's not easy to speak about that middle ground of, I mean, cause we've talked about the work wise, at least in the business, it's doing a lot of what we were just doing. And then it just finally working and toppling over. So I think some of the big things that might help people to know is like back then, what were you worried about? What were your stressors? Were, what was your time spent mentally um, thinking? And then how is it different now? What are you stressed about? financially and then also business and career wise. 
Yeah. I also have to back up for a second too. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering things and I'm also looking at my notes and I'm like, mm, that doesn't sound right. So I think it, at the end of 2021, I did actually close out uh, at over 100K. I think I was at 120 because that was our explosive year forever grow. And expo- I think, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yes. 20, let's, let's recalibrate here. 2021. So I went from 2020. I think when all said and done between Evergrow and my old, my old job, that was like the 70 to 80 K. That's when I closed out there. When I accepted the new job in 2021 and my day job income doubled. And then we also had that explosive year in Evergrow. That's when I closed out at 120 ish K. So I went from basically 80 K the previous year. So the, the years like the years go like this, you have uh, 2019 closing out at 4250. Or 42,500. And then you have 2020. That was the year I closed out between 70 and 80K. And then 2021, when I accepted the new job and it doubled, that's when I closed out at 123K. So that was like Evergrow exploded. I doubled my day job income. I went from basically like 50 ish K in 2019 to 70 to 80 ish K. Uh, 2020 and then 123k in 2021 at the end of 2021 for context that's when i jumped ship from spinning tech was spring, spring of, of 20, 2021 yeah spring of 2021 so cody <laughs> cody went from my huge income to basically nothing <laughs> he basically went reverted back to my 2019 probably yeah, before I that 2018 it. yeah reverse jake but yeah that's okay because i also went to school it's it's a braver jump okay <laughs> so to answer your question about what was I worried about then versus what am I worried about now? What I was worried about then I think was a lot more about how to make more money to manage one, my debt and two, my free time. Like I I just didn't have money to do really anything. I felt like I was kind of isolated and living paycheck to paycheck and day by day. And it just, it was not a great, way to live i felt like and now what i'm worried about is managing my time because money isn't the problem for me now and i know that's that that can be taken in kind of a negative way and i don't want it to be but i get all i get stressed all the time because my schedule just fills up and i just don't have time to do anything between my day job my ever grows or ever grow marketing the ever bros podcast my consulting that i do on the side and competitive paintball and traveling all the time and doing things with Lauren. Like I just, my schedule is so full, like things have to give at a certain point and it's extremely stressful when some things start falling through the cracks. But I remember you say this to me all the time, like back when we were starting to talk in 2019 and 2020 and I had all these aspirations and now like I'm, I'm at that point and I tell you, I am just, so overburdened with work (laughs) and you just go well this is what you wanted right (laughs) (laughs) i'm like you know what cody kiss my ass (laughs) in in a way in a way it is like i'm i'm very fortunate to be able to have all this work and i need to start using that in my vernacular which is i'm i get to pay my bills today or i get to go to work today instead of i have to work or i have to pay bills because i'm able to and you know i have i don't have copious amounts of money but i do have a surplus and 
is a great feeling to have. Makes me makes me sound like a bad guy. But what I mean by it too is like because at any point you're also free to decide and change, right? Like this is this is what when I say this is what you wanted, right? It's I mean, right? Like, is this still what you wanted? What you wanted because you at any point do have the not only the ability, but now the financial freedom too. Because before, when you're broke, you don't like you don't have a. I mean, you can continue being broke. I guess you you know you could say that. But um, yeah, I I think I mean you're always going to have different problems, and I think step one in anybody's successful journey is how do I make more money. Then step two becomes how do I earn the amount of money that I need, but buy back my time. Because nobody nobody who's not making any money says how do I get more time, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's, it, I guess like if you're not making any money working 12 hours a day, then maybe you need both. But usually it starts out with how do I, how do I earn more money so I can, so I can have more free time. And I think what a lot of people fall into is they earn more money and they keep earning more money and they just, they never get their free time back or they just become obsessed with earning more money and more money. And they just keep chasing that. Alex Harmazi calls it chasing the dream. Or, mm. or playing no playing the game playing the game right, so let me let me ask it to you straight because you started getting into it what problems did the money solve when you're broke and then what problems do you still have what didn't do, it fix money solves everything <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember who was saying this who, who said it it's like grant cardone or um robert kiyosaki or something there's a very little in the world that money doesn't solve. And I know that sounds like very superficial. It sounds like very materialistic. But if you think about a lot of the problems that are out there, uh, even now, like like climate change and green, ener- green energy, guess what? Money, investment into green technologies. Time with your family. Can't have time with the family if you can't pay the bills. So if you have the money, then you have then you have more time. If you have money set aside so you don't have to work, great, you can survive. Um, and there, you know, I want to go travel the world. Guess what? Need money. And I think if more people realize that, I don't want to say that. I was going to say if I think more people realize that money solves every problem, I think people would. <laughs> Instead of hating on money and getting, you know, <laughs> earning more money and, and having a higher potential, but it really does. Like, even if you want to be as selfless as possible and give to charity and give to communities and things like that, you need money. And if you don't have the time, you need money to buy your time back or else you're going to be homeless. And, and that's, that's all it is. But, um, what was your question again? <laughs> well, you said, uh, well, I guess, so still now, just to repeat what, you have more money than you did. What problems are you still dealing with that the money doesn't solve? Oh, okay. Hmm. That's a good question. I think anything (laughs) knowledge-based, I feel like I have a short attention span. So there are things that I want to do and I want to learn and I just, I don't take the time to do it. I didn't back then and I don't now. And the all the money, the, the money problem here, here's the real money problem is when you don't have money, you chase it. When you start succeeding and you start getting money, you just keep, you just keep chasing it. And, and therefore you never have any time. 
So I think the biggest problem that it's still not solving is buying my time back because I don't feel like I've reached that point where I can officially buy my time back. I can, you know, hire a maid or hire a lawn care company or whatever, you know, or like hire an expensive local place to watch my dogs when I go out of town. I still got to drive seven hours to drive them off my parents' house whenever I go somewhere. That's seven hours of my time gone, plus whatever time that they want to spend talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't have any friends, so money does not buy friends. Business partners don't count. You got to spend time with them. You're obligated. Yeah. Right. We, do, we do meet up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We're doing that money, friends, money hasn't uh, partners. <laughs> money hasn't made me a better paintball player. <laughs> I'm still dealing with sucking at that. So think about the kind of person who might find this interesting, right? Um, or, or think back to who you were back before you hit this point of financial success. And what do you think is the most advantageous thing that they can hear that you can tell them um, while trying to pursue this or accomplish this, this financial goal? Uh, be prepared to work a lot. Like Cody said, this is what you wanted, right? So, you know, it's not just, you know, a lot of people say work smarter, not harder. I mean, you got to do both. You got to work smarter and you got to work harder and you got to work more. And if you want, like I did this in about three and a half years going from 40 K to 200 K. But I am also afraid of death and afraid of getting old. And being unable to do things when I'm older. So I want to have more things now and enjoy more things when I have, you know, more time. So I'm willing to put everything aside, my entire twenties to just work extremely hard so I can live a better second half of my thirties and forties, fifties and sixties. If you want to get to, I guess a point where even I'm at, which isn't even that high. I mean, I'm, I'm a tiny fish in a big ocean. And, but even if you're listening to this and you want to get to that point, but you don't want to work so hard and see so little improvements for years until like the last three, last two or three, then you can do that and have more time and just quit your day job and do your agency thing as long as your bills are paid, but it's going to take a little bit longer. And what's that? The thousand days, to replace your day job income that the tropical MBA guys talk about. That's true. Like it took us about three years of Evergrow to, to replace our day jobs and not my current day job, but my day job I worked at before. The difference for me was that it didn't really replace it, supplemented it and basically doubled my total income. The cool thing about it was I was, I only have to work, I only had to work on Evergrow for like 20 hours a week. If that, so if I work 40 hours a week in my day job, I work 20 hours a week at Evergrow, that's 60 hours a week total, which is what people, which is what a lot of people work on just their day job in a week. So I was okay with working 60, 70, even up to 80 hours a week, just cranking the stuff out after my day job for the pursuit of the doubled income lifestyle. And eventually that will end. I, I eventually, you know, I'm at 200K now, but next year I could just be at 100 who knows? So I think biggest advice is what do you want? 
if you want a lot of money and a lot of it quicker so you can pay off bills and be basically income neutral, then I would keep your day job, work hard, double your income before you leave. Now, if you want, if you want more flexibility and free time, and you're not really worried about debt, then leave your day job and focus on this. As long as you can pay your bills, don't ever leave your day job and take a chance on it unless you're just mentally not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, I think that's really important too. If you're meant, if you're like seriously mentally not okay at your day job and you honestly think leaving would be good, I would, I would really do it, but also make sure that you're okay at the same time taking a job at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's to just pay the bills. Mm-hmm. But uh, we didn't really talk about it. So uh, the very last year after 2022, so 2023 where we're at right now, I'm or 2022, we I ended about 150K. So now if we look at the succession or the, the succession of how much I've made since 2019, it's 2019 was about 56 ish K 2020 was about 70 to 80 2021 was 2021. I'll just tell you what I made. Cause it's really funny. I got my, I got my tax, my taxes back and it was one, two, three, four, five, four. And I was so mad. I didn't make two more extra dollars. <laughs> one, two, could you imagine? One, two, three, four, five, six. Anyways, uh, 2022 closed out and that was about 150 K. So 2023 is where we're at right now. And I have already met or am very close to 150 and we're in August. So it's projected 200 K. So I'm sorry if you feel like you're misled by the title of this, but how to get you to listen somehow. <laughs> <laughs> So no, none of this was meant to, I don't want to come off as braggy because this will change. I, I, I will no longer make 200 K it will, it will drop. And especially when we escort, when we escort our, our salaries that ever grow, will probably not be a hundred K. It'll probably be a lot less, probably what's the number like 80 something to um, where the, the trade off is for tax yeah. advantages. Yeah, I yeah. think they say about 78 is what I've heard. But mm-hmm. I that's what Jeff Bezos pocket. makes. That's his salary. Is it? I don't yeah. Know. Jeff Bezos' salary is like 78,000 or something like that because everything else is profit and yeah, I'm sure he's whatever other rich people get paid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, I mean, it'll end, but. It, the whole point is that you can make that much getting to, or, you know, in three years, it's just how hard do you want to work? There are some points of it too, that have been healthy, both like mentally and just in my relationship too, because it's just, you know, you're always working, you don't have time to do a lot of the free stuff and it's not always fun. So if things in your personal life start to tank, I would reground and focus and it's not a it's not a competition i treat everything like a competition it's not healthy (laughs) cool but that's all that's all i had i i hope this was valuable i i really do i felt like 
some people wanted to hear more about this. And I feel like other people are just going to be like, this is super braggy. I don't want to hear about it. But I felt like it was a lot more realistic than all the other gurus out there who say they had $20 to their name and suddenly started selling a course or started an SNMA and now they're a millionaire. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, how do you, how do you find the balance right between this is what gets people to click and listen. They want this sort of shock value, but then also to hit them with some real authenticity and being genuine and honest about what the reality is, as opposed to just saying, you know, whatever, whatever numbers that they want to in a video. And then they put a business that's owned by another business that's located in not this country. And then it's all siphoned and then they just move the money somewhere else. (laughs) Classic, you know, classic story of financial well, success through fraud i was i was having um i was showing marcus some things because he was doing he's asking banking questions with his business and i wanted to show him like what my personal bank account looked like because of like how i have it separated based on the profit first system and i was like so this is the revenue account it's like where all the money comes into and it's where i move the money to the separate accounts and i i, I opened it and it was like you know uh transfers from my day job and from Evergrow mm-hmm. into it. And he's like, his, his eyes just widened and his jaw just dropped. And he's like, you make that much. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, it, I also live in the U S which is a very, it's, you know, very expensive place to live. So it's not like my quality of life is the highest in the world, but he goes, so there, there is, he's like, that gives me so much hope knowing that there is hope doing, basically following exactly your method because that's what he's doing. I'm, I'm basically acting as his mentor and doing things that I would have done from the start with him. And he's already got like two or three clients, I think after four months, nice four or five months. I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, so I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, there is hope. I mean, it's not gonna happen overnight or in one year or two years or even three years, but there's hope it'll, You'll get there. I did, and I'm an idiot. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's all we had. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. We've noticed the reviews have just stopped. So we're hurt. Yeah, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. This is negative. Then don't. Then don't leave us a review. But um, I don't think I can actually say that. But. <laughs> Leave us a review on Apple. Leave us a rating on Spotify. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. See you.